that's a growler. Hey everybody, it's Friday. Welcome back to the Never Ending Minute where we analyze, scrutinize, and books can't flies. The movie, The Never Ending Story. Wow. I'm Thomas Howitt. Wow. I'm a little embarrassed to be writing that into the spreadsheet. I'm Tierney Steele. <laughs> Greetings from the minute, the Mad Max minute, the scrutinizers of cinema, the iconoclasts of movies by minutes podcasts. I'm Rick. And I'm Julia. Woo! Impressive, sir. So, very Most impressive. impressive. I'm going to take my furry yeah. hat off now and toss it aside. <laughs> How long did it take you to come up with that? Well, you know, when you're hanging out in the wasteland day and night under the, the baking sun <laughs> of the Australian desert, you know, you got time. <laughs> Do you have a long time? <laughs> long time. All right, tell us about this minute, Tierney. Minute 94, and no, I'm lying. Uh, <laughs> minute 59 starts with Atreyu seeing the outline of his reflection in the mirror gate as he moves closer. And it ends with Bastion telling a book he's just thrown across the room, now this is going too far. <laughs> I love that he's telling the book. <laughs> I, I call him like I see him. <laughs> Oh, goodness. Um, let's start in the snow that is driving me insane because some of those pieces are so big and perfectly rectangular and clearly not snow. No, they're not snow. And I have I honestly had a hard time even concentrating on that because of the way they turn my favorite song discordant in this minute. They well, like because it's it's a moment. I know. And it hurts, though, because I love the song so much. And now it's changed. I started off the week quoting a Christmas story, and I'm going to end it quoting a Christmas story. Those icicles have been known to kill people. (laughs) (laughs) Be careful. (laughs) You know, them changing this music is almost like, you know, having a favorite movie, and then like 20 or 30 years later, having somebody go and change that movie, especially the important parts. (laughs) It's almost like that. You okay? You need a moment? Now, see, we are on opposite ends because I 100% love how subtly the start of the switch from a Atreus reflection to Bastion in the Mirror is. Oh, that's beautiful. I that transition. I love the way it's done here. That fade is beautiful. But it's accompanied by the music of your doom. Yeah, but if you watch it with the sound off, it's just fine. Oh, okay. <laughs> Apparently that's the trick. In the book... We do get the same, there is a mirror gate. It is that Atreyu sees Bastion in the mirror. Um, It starts describing him, and he kind of thinks it's weird, like, it's clear from the description that, like, what Atreyu is seeing in the mirror is not Atreyu. And Bastion is just kind of like, huh. And then he starts describing the kid, and he's like, ah, that kid's like me. Then it gets down to, like, what clothes he's wearing, and that's when he starts to freak out. So, I, I get why... I get why Bastion is losing it. I don't know why Atreyu looks scared, but before we transition between them, I want to give you guys a little more time to talk about Atreyu and this effect. And also, I'll help put off the uh, Bastion moments for you. (laughs) Appreciated. (laughs) Okay, so first and foremost, we know about the mirror, that the mirror shows the true self of the person looking into it. And I'm a little bothered that Atreyu who has grown all of his life as a plains hunter, 
pursuing the purple buffalo, and his true self is apparently a whiny little snot-nosed brat hanging out in the attic of a school? <laughs> like, I would run away screaming Ooh. if that was revealed to be my true self. Wow. Well, there's also the... Not a fan of that. Just to counter that, to play... <laughs> To pay to play devil's advocate, advocate, who's to say a tree you didn't come to exist until Bastion started reading the book? Well, like yeah, the book could have been the, the dawning of, his, of Bastion's mm, dreams. Basically. Yeah, right. So the book is Bastion, and this is that's what it's really showing us is that a tree doesn't really exist. It's Bastion's imagination. Well, I don't want to throw ourselves too far forward in the movie, but we do see a and Bastion existing in the same space so it's not like do we we do yeah because he waves to him oh that's right that's right that's right so it's not like atreyu doesn't exist without bastion type of thing we could get kind of crazy second lifey because he has created that at that point that's atreyu 2.0 yeah atreyu died technically because everything was gone except for a grain of sand oh that's an interesting point atreyu then creates bastion the next generation. Right. That's who waves to him. And that, that Atreyu is not a reflection of Bastion. So what we've actually postulated thus far in the, in the story is that Atreyu is, he encompasses the traits that Bastion both wants in himself and knows that he needs according to his dad. His dad's been trying to project on him, you need to be a stronger person, you need to stop dwelling in the past, you need to face your challenges. You need to get over the death of your mother. Come on, son. Right. Don't be lame. He's, he, and, she whiz. <laughs> and a tree basically embodies those qualities, and that's what Bastion's actually seeing here, is that this person that he's looking up to, that he is so impressed with as the hero, is actually himself. If he can overcome his problems. Did I get too deep there? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think in any story, the protagonist is is us. The, that's what the protagonist is, is built to be. It's how we enter the story. So I... I ah, but this isn't like those books. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, these characters are tailor-made for, for yeah. Bastion. Okay, so... Regular characters in regular books are kind of written to be broadly appealing to the readership. Yeah, I always think of Luke Skywalker when I think about that kind of thing. Atreyu is kind of tailor-made for Bastion, I would assume. So you can kind of argue that instead of being a well-written character, Atreyu is more like a Mary Sue character, where he's embodying everything that... The reader slash writer, I guess, if, if you want to get kind of meta with it, that he embodies everything that the the reader wants to be, and so therefore nothing can stop him. Like exactly. Oh my God, he is a married. Yeah, suit. yeah. I was thinking about it. Yeah, I would say I never thought of that before. If, I would say if Mary, Sue, if there were a scale from like zero to ten, ten being complete Mary so Sue, Batman. he's at, he, he's actually <laughs> no, he's actually like an eight because. If you read the book, which I know we keep saying, but if you read the book, when he actually goes into Fantasia, then he is definitely a 10 Mary Sue. He becomes a 10 Mary Sue because he can actually do everything. Yeah. So this is, this is, he's high up on the scale, but he's not quite to the level that he's going to achieve when he gets ultimate yeah, power. I mean, Atreyu did lose his horse. 
So he's not right. perfect in everything. Yeah. He almost died if Falcor hadn't saved him. And yeah. <laughs> if Falcor hadn't saved Atreyu in the Swamp of Sadness, do you think he would have drowned or had been devoured by the Gamork? Which do you think would have killed him first? We Ooh. actually kind of had this discussion. I think it definitely would have been the Gamork. Mm. I think the only yeah. reason he's sinking so much is because he stops to look at what's in the sky. <laughs> and he's so focused on that that he's sinking. So I think he would have he would have continued walking and then get, gotten eaten by the yeah. Gamork. Lunchtime for Gamork. <laughs> yes. But only because the Gamork would have caught him unawares. I mean, to flash <laughs> forward yet again, which I hate doing, and I'm so sorry I'm bringing it up, but you know, when they're on sorry, it's when they're on equal footing, Atreyu is able to handle his own. But you know, being right. blindsided in a swamp after being disappointed by a giant turtle and losing you're in a vulnerable right. spot there. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I did forget to mention on Fridays you have free reign to talk about the entire oh, movie. Cool. There are no spoilers here. Ooh, so. I like that rule. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's your last chance to talk about it, so. <laughs> yeah. So we transition to Bastion in the attic, and, you know, I've usually been a pretty... I've been okay with Bastion. I think, you know, Barrett Oliver is doing some good work in this movie, but I cannot condone his actions. <laughs> Don't Throw the rare books. <laughs> I actually have a note that says, how about that flying book, Tierney? <laughs> Second 54 is the saddest shot of the movie. All those bent pages just lie in there. But look, Tierney, your little friend the ribbon is there, too. I hate those bookmarks. <laughs> <laughs> Julia, wasn't there a thing about, like, a flying book? Oh, once again... Harry Potter. Not Harry Potter. That was a crawling book. Yeah. In Army of Darkness, (laughs) one of the Necronomicons, (laughs) it like, Ash throws it and the book like catches itself in midair and starts flapping after him. Yes. And how amazing would it have been if the never ending story book was like, oh, you aren't going to throw me. No way. My destiny is in your pages, son. Get back here. I will not suffer this disrespect. <laughs> Either that or if, if, if it used that movie trope where he throws it, but he turns around and it's sitting right beside him again. <laughs> oh, I love that. I like that so much. Uh, um, yeah, Bastion looks once again like he's been crying. And it's been a while since Artax's death. Yeah, I think this is... Hopefully, this is just the stress of reading about a tree seeing him in the mirror. <laughs> Did he get sweaty too approaching the cave? Yeah, he's getting really into this book. Yeah, he, he looks like he has dried tears all over his face, though. Yeah, he cries a lot. Okay, <laughs> he's a crybaby. It's kind of his thing. Hey, I'm not crying. gonna throw stones in that glass house. No. So. <laughs> I I will concede that the line, this is going too far, is a really (laughs) good and well-delivered line. It is probably the only moment that I actually appreciate Bastion. (laughs) Every other time he's on screen, he's an annoyance to me. The funny thing is that Wolfgang Peterson liked his acting better than he did Noah Hathaway's. What? Oh my gosh. I, oh... I think I can't stand I can't stand Bastion's acting. He wanted like, it's I think so bad. I know yeah. the Barrett Oliver is a better oh, actor so than this bad. too because I've seen him in other stuff. And I yeah. think I think yeah. that this is what the director actually wanted was this really overdone emotional almost childlike yeah. emotional thing and part of that 
we saw part of that at the very beginning of the movie when we were joking about the overdubbing that they did on Teeny Weenie and how he just really way overdid his words. He was screaming these words and saying them with really huge facial expressions and stuff and really overdoing it. And I'm starting to think that that's the direction that Wolfgang Peterson really kind of wanted for this. Yeah, because you see Bash or Bear Oliver, there are moments where he's just great in acting. Like, there'll be a subtle little something or a look and it's perfect and a great moment. And then, you know, there'll be, but that's impossible. You know, it, it's, <laughs> yeah. it, it really varies. I, I thought he was great. And then ever since he's been in this attic, all he's gotten to do is a lot of it has been coming back to him. He looks up, says, one or two words and then looks back down and I was like, it feels wrong to judge an actor based on that because there's really <laughs> only so much you can do. Yeah, and then when you contrast Noah Hathaway's performance where his act- his acting is really subtle but really accurate for what he's doing, mm-hmm. that's the stuff that, that uh, Wolfgang Pearson had a problem with. Yeah. He he I think he really wanted it to be overdone and simple for a child to understand or something. That's one way to describe it. <laughs> um, so since we are kind of open game here, have you guys ever been to the cracked.com website? They do a lot of articles and things very pop culture related. And there's one article in particular that I found. It's from 2011. And it's titled, The Seven Terrible Life Lessons Learned yes. from the Never Ending Story. <laughs> yes. Yep. Kathleen was I, just talking about that. I was going to say, it has definitely been referenced. Not down to a date, but... <laughs> yeah. But please, if you, if you want to share, feel free. I'd love to yeah. hear the rest of them. So, they go chronologically through the movie. So, number seven, counting down to one, or one counting up to seven. Mm-hmm. But the first one is that stealing is perfectly fine if you leave a note. Yep. yep. Because it's exactly what Bastion does. He doesn't pay for that book. His life of crime. Yep. Yep. It's uh, the next terrible lesson is that it's okay to squat in your school and not, you know, go home at the end of the day. As we were sitting there watching the never ending story, he started lighting these candles and I leaned over to Julia and I put on my newscaster voice and I was like, a local school burned to the down, burned to the ground over the weekend after some candles were irresponsibly lit by a student who was staying after time. Oh, man, can I just interject one real story? Because, again, she's not going to listen to this, and I love it. So when my mother and her sister, or they're very close in age, were in elementary school, their elementary school actually did burn down overnight, and they lived close enough where they could see it. And my Aunt Marge started crying, and she thought it was her fault because she had wished for the school to burn down. And then it did. And she felt awful, and her mom had to, like try and console her like no 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 that's not what happened i don't know what happened yet but i guarantee you it is not your fault (laughs) and let's not wish for that anymore (laughs) yeah maybe you that to yourself from now on (laughs) but yeah they watched their elementary school i don't know that any uh candles and meta books were involved but i have i have no evidence that isn't what happened maybe this is based on true events <laughs> so what else is on the list yeah. so the next terrible lesson is always go unprepared <laughs> and that, 
because Atreyu is being sent on what is arguably the most important mission in the history of the world, and he's not allowed to bring anything but his pimpy little medallion. It's his tree cave. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, Luke's tree cave was a whole lot less... uh, dire stakes (laughs) yeah the the stakes were so much lower the entire planet wasn't going to disappear if he failed his tree trial (laughs) (laughs) tree trial (laughs) yeah i want to make that part of the uh conversation when it comes to star wars now the tree trial trial. what are your thoughts on the tree trial (laughs) (laughs) so on top of going anywhere completely unprepared you also have the next lesson is to rely on luck to do all of your work for you (laughs) that was the one that uh kathleen brought up yeah because (laughs) i mean without falcor the movie would not have a happy ending like (laughs) it'd be over already we've never gotten to talk to you (laughs) yeah atreyu would have been eaten in the middle of a swamp having no chance of completing his quest, and then the entire world would have blinked out of existence, which is, you know, great. Good thing thing they sent him without any of his gear. I'm not going to do my Obi-Wan Kenobi because I've already done it, but let's just say I have thoughts on luck. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I, I also have thoughts on the next terrible life lesson, which is to always trust strangers. (laughs) <laughs> because within three minutes of meeting Urkel and Glennywook, wow, I cannot pronounce his name to save my life. This is but great. He, but he's already like drinking mysterious things that are just handed to him with complete <laughs> trust. It's like he doesn't know what's in that. He could be getting roofied. Maybe he's looking forward to that. Maybe it's part yeah. of the quest. <laughs> Urkel always also kind of strikes me as the kind of person that would, you know slip things into other things <laughs> just put this under your tongue dearie and let it let it dissolve <laughs> now she does come she is very happy to list off the ingredients though for him so yeah. she at least has the transparency that doesn't make it I better mean, he's already drinking so she could have been like and a roofie and <laughs> late, arsenic but, yeah there are some mushrooms in there you're really going to enjoy <laughs> Don't worry, honey, you're going to think that you're a plumber from the Brooklyn and that you're jumping <laughs> on mushrooms, but, you know, you maybe the concoction that he drinks, maybe he never actually walks past any sphinxes. Maybe he's just kind of <laughs> foaming from the mouth and writhing on the ground because of oh, what he drank. Okay, I wasn't going to go that dark with it, but maybe yeah. it is like a vision. <laughs> yeah, he's actually just snuggled up against Falcor the His whole time. His pupils go really yeah. wide. He's like, <laughs> I can taste colors. <laughs> the purple Speaking- buffalo is suddenly explained <laughs> Gosh. so getting towards the end of the list uh the number two lesson counting down is that running trumps self-worth every time and <laughs> yep wow and, uh, fair fair i often wonder why people run as a hobby and it's like to find their self-worth now i understand why <laughs> They're, to run away from their swamp. They, they don't want to be confronted with that, so they just run. <laughs> Makes just sense to me. Just keep running. Gosh. I say that, but I was also the guy who did... I did a race series one summer where I did a 5K, a 10K, and a half marathon. Nice. 
I say one summer because I did not do it again the next <laughs> summer. Uh, see, I run halves. I love those. Gosh. There are enough that like you have to train for it, but you're still alive at the end oh. of the race. <laughs> I came in dead last in my division, which means for males like 18 to 35... I was the absolute slowest, but I wasn't the last person across the line. No, so. but you finished. That's true. Yeah. So they didn't have to scoop me up in a van. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's that's my only goal when I'm running. Yeah. So, All right. What's the person. number one lesson? The number one terrible life lesson from the never-ending story is that success means exacting revenge upon your enemies, <laughs> <laughs> because that is the first thing. Well, you could argue technically second thing, it's but it is in the top wish. three things oh, yeah. that Bastion does. Yeah. Is that he goes back and he terrorizes children. Shouldn't yep. his first wish would would be to have his mother back? Yeah, you would. He's think got so. a dead parent. Why didn't he wish her back to life? If he can wish all of Fantasia mm-hmm. back but the way it was, would she then be in Fanta- Would she be stuck in Fantasia? Well, Falcor is in the real world. That's true. Falcor goes back and forth. Or maybe just wish for a better relationship with his father. Oh, <laughs> right. If it's if it's Aladdin rules and you can't bring somebody uh, back from the dead, yeah. then, you know, wish to make your own situation. Although, to be better. fair, if I was 11 years old and getting picked on, my first wish would definitely be revenge before a better relationship with my parents <laughs> yeah like i don't think i would have thought of that as a kid he maybe he should wish for the ability he should he should have the ability to spread butter on bread <laughs> <laughs> priorities yeah this is important stuff no in the book um werewolves can go back and forth they're like corrupted because they can go in the world of man and fantasia and Gomorrah yeah. can go back and forth. I, I'm trying to remember oh, shoot, how it's lined up. But yeah, there are some beings that can go back and forth. So I guess it's okay that Falcor can. But oh. I, I don't know. This is bothering me. Yeah. So werewolves. Okay. Yeah, there's, I'm there, pretty sure. Right? I don't remember what the exact deal with them is either. But yeah, there's some way that they can transition between the two places. Mm-hmm. So if Atreyu is some kind of wish fulfillment version of Bastion, you know, he nobody bullies Atreyu. Right. He's he's in control of, you know, his destiny and and has good luck and things like that. What Atreyu doesn't have is parents. Yeah, we never we, see. We, we don't know. We that, never see though. his family. Yeah, they're not part of the story. They're not yeah. part of the important story that we're reading. Yeah. Do you remember Tierney? Do we meet his parents in the book? We don't meet his parents. He's part of um, a, a clan. tribe, clan, whatever you were. So it sounds when they're describing it, because when they come, he's actually already headed. He's just left for a hunt and they have to call him back. And it sounds like it's much more of a communal thing. But it's de- it doesn't but I don't think it specifies about parents. And I do want to state he doesn't leave for a hunt. He leaves for the hunt, the one that's going to make him a man. Yeah. <laughs> and he gets called back early. It's also important to remember that Atreyu is not human. Yeah. Yes, he's yes. supposed to be green. He's like a... He's a green skin, literally. Yeah, he's like a... Not alien, but like fantasy being. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. If this was like Avatar, he'd be eight foot tall and blue. Exactly. Right. You know. <laughs> right. So this this character that 
is tailor-made for Bastion, family doesn't seem to be as specifically important. Like, like to us, like your mother and your father are specifically important to you. Yeah. Atreyu's not weighed down by, you know... You know, he has his, his tribe as a whole... Mm-hmm. But it's not specific. Mm. Well, part of that is is that Bastion feels like he is completely alone, and like his father doesn't even really care, and he's lost his mother. So Atreyu is showing him the ability to live without other people, to be on his own. He's self sufficient. Mm. Mm-hmm. I have kind of an off topic question that I want okay. to raise. So, oh, what you got? So do I, and I'm wondering if it's the same one you have. Okay. <laughs> So say it again. No, <laughs> so Bastion is reading this book and Atreyu is the main character. Earlier in the movie, Mr. Coriander, the book salesman, is reading this book. So is when he reads the book, is it Atreyu as the main character or is there a Mr. Coriander doppelganger Ooh. that he, like is this kind of a, the weirdest choose your own adventure book ever made i think yeah. it definitely is i love that yeah i think it definitely is because everything like, we've i keep saying we've talked about this before but we've <laughs> talked about this before um don't you every, remember guys <laughs> everything almost everything in fantasia is a reflection of stuff that has happened to bastion in the real world like for instance, Anguwook's little uh, beaker scope thing there. There's all these beakers that are in the attic with him, and they could translate that way. Atreyu being an, a Native American-styled person and hunting buffalo, there's actually a patch of that on Bastion's backpack, or a Native American hunting buffalo. There's a wolf head that falls dramatically on Bastion in the attic that's very much like the Gamork. And every single thing in Fantasia is a playoff of stuff that he's had in his day, kind of like, you know, dreams kind of recap our our days. It's kind of like that. So I think Coriander was reading a different story completely. Yeah, because it would be really weird if, you know, Atreyu gets to the mirror and it shows like this really old Wilford Brimley looking dude. In a bookstore, <laughs> and then, and then you get to the end, and the childlike Empress is just staring down this old dude. Right. I mean, that just. What well, I will say weird. is that in Coriander's book, the last page you read was a child bursts into into the store and um, is running away from bullies and bursts into the store. That was the last thing that Coriander read because it happened as he was reading it. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So what was your question, Julia? My question is about Atreyu's attire. Okay. Atreyu. I'll let Tierney cover this one. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It's glorious. No, just kidding. (laughs) That's my problem. It is glorious. But he's, like, what, 13, 12, 13, maybe 14? Mm -hmm. It's problematic. I know. Yeah. Because he's... We are... We are clearly supposed to be attracted to this open shirt god of a child. (laughs) And what, like, what are we supposed to do with that? I'll say this. If it's good for the goose, it's good for the gander. <laughs> yeah, but it's not if good just, for the goose. If it's, it's not good, good for Gal Gadot, it's good for me. <laughs> no, if it's good for the statues, it's good for Atreyu. Oh, wait Come a on. second, wait a second. So boys get this pair of glorious breasts. 
No, you guys get the Empress. And we get. I'm just saying, bare chest. Yeah, and we get this prepubescent boy with a, a shirt that can't bother to be closed. That's not no. That's not equal. I'm just saying, if you're showing one thing's chest, you can show the other thing's chest. There's so many problematic elements of this movie. <laughs> just 1984 was a different time. Just go back to that. <laughs> So, yeah, that was my, like, burning question about this movie. <laughs> was Trey's wardrobe? I assumed that a burning question would be related to the Sphinx's laser eyes. Why is that? Why do you assume that would be the question? Because the, the lasers burn the night dew. Wow. That was the fail music from Super Mario, because that joke went over about, about like a lead balloon. <laughs> <laughs> I I wasn't even good enough at Mario to fail enough to recognize the music. <laughs> if that tells you anything. Well, that should mean you heard it often. <laughs> uh, if you mean three times and was like, you know what? This just isn't not my not my world, apparently. <laughs> Well, I am all out of notes for this week, and I'm, I, I mean, if you guys have more questions, I'll happily an- try to answer them. No, I think this has gone too far. <laughs> <laughs> this has gone way too far. Okay. <sighs> well, it was fantastic having you guys. It, oh, yeah. It was great getting to meet you guys in Chicago. Ha ha, Tyranny, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it seriously was great to, to get to hang out with you guys and record with you guys. Yeah, thank you for having us on. I'm glad you could join us. Um, where can people find you if they want to hear you some more? If people are interested in hearing more of our dulcet tones, they can find our website at www.madmaxminute.com. They can follow us on Twitter at Mad Max Minute. We are Mad Max Minute on Facebook, and we have a listeners page, Mad Max Minute Beyond Microphone. You can subscribe to us on iTunes and Google Play, and if you want to jump in with road warrior we are doing new episodes of road warrior if you want to start with the first movie we've got our entire backlog on our website you can check it out there i have to say i'm a little bit jealous of your alliteration in your in your podcast (laughs) (laughs) i'm a big fan of alliteration and that just works so well for me Yeah. yeah we struck gold there yeah if you're looking for us check us out on twitter at nev and min (laughs) <laughs> and <laughs> doesn't quite work work the same. If you want to find me, I'm the Wookie Lives. And if you're looking for Tyranny, she is one steel sister. Check us out on Facebook, like our page, join our listeners group. And lastly, check out our t-shirts. If you go to the webpage, <laughs> growlermedia.com slash never any minute, there's a link to our tea public page there. You can get our artwork for the show. And excuse me, it's not just t-shirts. Oh, yes, it's everything. If you want our artwork on a cup, you can get it on a cup. If you want it on a phone case, you can get it on that. If you want a sticker, they have stickers as well. I'm a fan of the stickers. <laughs> and and I bought uh, 
the onesie, so I, I contributed to yes. <laughs> I have matching outfits. I will <laughs> say the shirt is quite a <laughs> the shirt is quite a conversation starter. Every time I've worn it, people are more than happy to come up and say, Oh my gosh, I love that movie. Tell me what's what your shirt's about and then I have to explain what a podcast is and stuff <laughs> right. like that. But was conversation- Chicago a nice uh, break from that? <laughs> <laughs> Chicago is where it got the worst of it. <laughs> I went into I went into a corner target in Chicago and some girl was like, I love your shirt. What's that all about? Well, <laughs> it's a podcast. A <laughs> yeah. Right? Um, but there are great shirts. Our artwork is done by Olivia Moy, who has a web page, oliviamoyart.com. I think she's currently taking commissions for stuff. So if you're looking for a piece of artwork, check it out. She does great work. Having said all that, we get to find out if Bastion picks up this book and carries on with the journey. I think this is the end of the story. Thanks yeah. for coming, guys. That's <laughs> this it. seems like a good spot to end the film. Just yeah, walk yeah. away. <laughs> all right. We'll see you guys next week, but that's, that's another, another story. story that shall be told another time. I so get to keep that in there. (laughs) Wow, something is really different. I'm a growler.